welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, welcome to Conversations About Life, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. And while we were just standing in line for coffee, you know, you, you were talking about some friendship and things like that, uh, friends, longtime friends that you have. And I think that's kind of interesting, just, um, you know, how important friendships can be. And evidently, they're, they're really important to you. Um, so, I thought, you know, maybe we can talk some about that. And also, you are starting um, a nonprofit and that sounds kind of interesting, too. So um, maybe we'll start with, uh, well, let's start with just kind of an introduction. Um, how would you describe yourself? Well, that is a loaded question. I would say <laughs> um, evolving would okay. be a word that I would use to just describe myself when I think about myself over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I... At this point in my life, I really have grown to appreciate the experiences that I've had and the people that I've met and the journey my life has been on. And so I think at this point I am at a place where every day I just want to embrace it and spend the time on the priorities that are in part of my life, which is faith and family and friends and um, contributing to the world and in the gift that I've been given with God in life and contributing back to that to other people. Um, so I would say at this point I am. Let's pause for a minute. Okay. Let's, I think you can go on now. Okay. So I would say at this point um, a gratitude would be a word that I would probably use in general to just describe myself and life and and where I'm at. Appreciation for the things that have become part of my life. So, you know, you mentioned just embracing each day and enjoying it. Um, so what's the opposite of that? Is it just being too caught up and busy and stuff? Or Yes, definitely. I was a school principal for 11 years, so that job was extremely demanding. I loved it. I wouldn't change any part of it. Um, it was a great fit for me, and but it was busy, and I worked a lot of hours and uh, gave a lot of myself in things. I, I had good times and, and lived life outside of that as well. So I am am thankful that I had lots of fun opportunities and traveling and um, being with a variety of different people and the influences and those things. Uh, But I would say near the end of my career, it was taking a toll. Things were changing in my environment. and, um, And so I think the pressure just hit harder. And, and sometimes you know how it is, like you get on the other side of something and you look back and you see, wow, that was a lot harder, excuse me, on me than I thought. And so I think that that was a great lesson for me to realize, like there are a lot of important things in life and your job is important, but it's not the most important. So it was a good shift for me on the other side of that to realize where I was and how it was impacting me. So now I'm on this journey of embracing the day and uh, and going from something so busy to so much time is is hard. I've had to learn how to just sit and be still and um, sit outside like we are today or uh, sit on my patio or, or call someone and, and catch up and just be comfortable in that and not in the busy of every and it, and I'm there. I'm much more on the other side of that. It's taken me probably a couple of years though to really kind of settle into it. So, um, are you? Um, so, is, then do you have to be kind of like, as far as embracing the day? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to? Um, 
be pretty intentional at that, at just being present or something like along yes. those lines? Or I think it's it probably shows up in two ways for me. One would be intentional about my schedule, um, what I'm going to do with each day. So I prioritize, like in the morning, I get up and I kind of ease into the morning typically with, I have coffee and I... I'm on the YouVersion Bible app, so I do my Bible plans. I start every day that way. And kind of just sitting in, at least for 30 minutes, I try to, sometimes it's one or two hours, depending on what I have on my schedule that day. But I really like to get my day started off with like asking God to show me who I could show up for, who needs to hear from me, just being aware of what he's saying, of maybe people in my life to reach out to. Or just to kind of have a day of like nothing on the calendar and just let it flow as it is. So I think it's kind of learning how to just be comfortable in nothing or in schedule. And I think you need both. You need to have some routine because I've done the no routine and that was very hard. And then I started listening to the work of Dr. Cloud who wrote the Boundaries book and he talked about we have to have some structure and so it doesn't mean I have to be going to a job every day but I have to have some routines that fulfill me walking you know reading in the morning I'm a social person I need to have scheduled interactions with people because that's not part of my day anymore with like it was when I went to a job and you were going to be around people so I have to find the things that fulfill me and schedule those and then I have to find the things that fulfill me in solitude because I need both and make time every day for each of those things. Are you more of an introvert or more of an extrovert? You know, I actually took a quiz on this, and <laughs> I, out of 100, I scored like 67, I think, and that kind of surprised me because I would consider myself an extrovert. I love people, but I think I've realized I do need solitude to rejuvenate. I need some time just to process and decompress and... Um, and I could actually do that probably with other people in the room, but people I'm comfortable with silence around. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think I, <clears throat> I definitely notice when I'm around people, I thrive and I have energy and I, you know, but I also like in order to be intentional and present with people, I have to like fulfill myself first and kind of like be ready for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning that both are important for me and I think probably for all of us in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, they f- kind of feel like they have to be in the rat race because they um, have a lifestyle they're trying to support, you know, financially, and they don't feel like they can just kind of step out of it. Um, was that a, a struggle for you to leave, um, you know, like a regular job to, to do what you're doing now? And Actually, by the grace of God, it was not as hard as I thought it would be. Um, it was definitely different and probably what was harder for me more than the rat rat race was the uh, change in my relationships and interactions from seeing people on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. I think that was harder than the actual like job and money and going after those kinds of things Mm -hmm. so I've had to learn you know, when you're working and with people and you love the people you work with and you're hanging out, you naturally like create those moments where you're going to say, hey, who wants to go grab dinner? Or we're going to have a happy hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now it's just I have to plan that more and I have to reach out or, you know, stay in touch and mm-hmm. um, communicate on a different way. Uh, but the but the rat race, I don't miss the mm-hmm. stress of some of those things or the pressure or the money was never the driving force for me. It was my passion every day because I think, uh, and I'm thankful for that because if it was about money, the job was so much harder that that would have never fulfilled me, you know, like it did to see a child, you know, in your school, like go from one level to another or grow in some way or a family who was struggling you know, ask you for support or come to your community and and need help. So, and then just working with teachers is a blessing because they're amazing people. So I would say 
<clears throat> the rat race, where it got hard was maybe the pressures that were externally there, uh, politically there maybe in some ways, um, from the, the requirements in an education, public education, and trying to navigate that with the stress that it put on the people that you're leading. So that was hard. Um, but the good was so good that it kind of outweighed that in some ways. Okay. Well, tell me more about the nonprofit you're... Right. So I retired at age 45, and I was fortunate to be able to do that. And um, and at that time, my life took some shifts with some pretty big shifts. Um, my job had changed. You know, I... I left being a principal and then retired and my personal life lots of you know and you go through seasons in life where people are in and out in some ways and then you have people that are there over longevity and then those seasons like where people are in your ages so a lot of that was changing at one time for me and it I really had been kind of out of church for a while even though I grew up in a very strong faith family and church and um, it was a huge important value to me and part of my life and I uh, I kind of was just in this pivotal moment you know where it was like I think God was kind of tearing down some walls and removing some things and in a very gentle and kind way that he was doing it but it was drawing me back into him in a lot of ways and as part of that I um I wasn't really comfortable stepping back into church yet, and um, it took me a little bit. And then one of my friends who was at was, you know, going to church invited me to go with her several times, and I just couldn't come around to doing it for a while. And she was patient and, you know, took her time and just kept asking. And finally, I said yes and started going back into that. Uh, arena and just experiencing and stepping in it was hard for someone who'd been in church and so active so many years I was actually surprised how much of a struggle it was Hmm. of the things I had to like um, unlearn or tell myself or experiences I had had with that to uh, not let maybe a, a bad experience or some situation that had caused me to have a bad taste in my mouth to not allow God to be who he is instead of like things that maybe people experiences with people had happened so I started going back to church with her and that was a slow process but in that process I learned that that was fulfilling and it was like helping me get through a pretty hard time and I started looking at um, Christine Kane is is a preacher that had I saw in person during that time and I had seen her years ago when I was at a Joyce Meyer event and I was on her website. I saw her in person and then about five months later I was on her website just kind of messing around and I saw that she had started Propel Women and it was a, you could just sign up and say you wanted to lead a group and I was like, I need this, I need community, like I'm kind of lacking that. And I've had so much change and I had so much community in my life in education that this has been such a shift and it was so service oriented and I missed the service part of it. So I literally just kind of created a Facebook group and invited several people to be involved. It was a private group and said, who's interested? And there was a pretty good interest and it shocked me, but it was like, wow, there's a need out here for women to be in community. So I started that group, and from that group, we ended up having three different groups with three different leaders, and just powerful time as women together, a variety of ages and backgrounds, and um, I think we had trust and vulnerability, and people were safe to share things, and we just, I just saw like, man, these, these guys don't feel like they have support, these women, you know, they're feeling like kind of alone out here, and and in different journeys and so I started just working through like okay God what is this you know where are you leading and I felt like there was something but it was so vague that I didn't have a lot of the details and I am more of a big picture thinker and so that was in like 2018 so that's been the process of kind of getting to the point now where 
Ripple Effect, which is the name of the nonprofit, and it's One Connection, Endless Impact. Because what I found is a lot of these women coming together came because of one invite. Somebody called them and said, come on, you're going you're gonna to like this. And so I want to build on that and grow that to a broader community of women where we have support with each other and we're serving our community. Hmm. Okay. So it's like an seems like it's an organization where people come in and they there's community and and you're like reaching out to others it yes. sounds like. Okay. So basic so right now where we're at with it is I have one other um, partner that we're working together, Emily, and we've been creating a lot of the infrastructure right now of the business. You have to get your 501c3 and you have to get your state paperwork and then we're building the core values and the mission and the vision. And so we've really been like laying a lot of that work um, now. And so now that we're in a good place with that, we're ready to start launching a couple things to start building community with women. So one of the things that we are going to do is start a monthly dinner night and just invite women to come and to bring a friend where we can just start connecting socially and learning about each other and sharing with them the heart of the nonprofit, which is to bring women together in faith and in love and in service towards each other and towards those around us and then in toward, towards our broader community that we live in in St. Louis and St. Charles. So really just creating that bond and a support system for women and what they're going through if they're feeling isolated or alone or if they're not sure where the direction in life that they're going and they you know want to talk with people about what their options are just a way that we can um, be healthy for one another and then share that out with others so we're going to try these dinner club meetings and um, and our goal is to be open to anyone and that we are inclusive and that you know we all feel welcome when we're there and we have that support system and then the uh, and then the next piece that we want to do at the same time is once a month a service project so we want to find another nonprofit in the area that needs volunteers and we coordinate with our women times and this group will go volunteer at this time and then this nonprofit needs support these women will be here to support you so instead of starting another project that way we will be the support to other nonprofits in their needs right it reminds me a little bit of a men's group I joined um, it's a meetup group and it's called St. Louis League of Empowering Gentlemen and it's not um, faith um, centered at, at all mm-hmm. But it's more of um, just a group of men who um, want f- friendships with other men. And commonalities seem to be like personal growth and helping mm-hmm. each other with that. And um, there's a, they use a Slack app to kind of keep yes. in touch with one another. And then there's... Um, so some of the things are like just a monthly brunch or getting together for a hike or something like that. But then there's these things they call real eights. So it's like limited to a group of eight plus one person who's kind of like a moderator. But they just get, it's a discussion type type of thing. Just getting together and uh, talking about whatever. <laughs> they do like a little check-in type of thing first. Like, uh, um, this is how I'm feeling right now. Right. This is the, you know, one of the best things that happened in the last week. One of the worst things. I'm checking in. (laughs) Right. That's great. I love that real aid. Yeah. Yeah. And then here more recently through the app, there's, you can sign up for, I think it's called like a donut. I'm not sure why it's called that, but, um, and then everyone who signed, who's a part of the donut group every two weeks, um, two people are paired up and then you just, you can get together virtually or you can get together for coffee and a donut perhaps. Um, in person if you want but it, they just leave it up to you to you know do that and then that just happens every two weeks and um so anyway it's been kind of neat to meet different people and get me out of my own circles and talk with people and just by the nature of the people who are part of the group conversations are pretty open and um i can you know so to ask people about their fundamental beliefs about you know belief in God or whatever that's mm-hmm. just 
you know, comes naturally like this. And um, many of them don't share, um, you know, my beliefs in the Christian faith. But I really like the interaction and just um, connection with the other men and talking about things and stuff like that. Yes, that's neat. How do they, how do you find that people respond to, in those groups, becoming part of that and joining it? Do you think people are open to those things, or has it been hard to build that community? You mean joining the meetup group? Yes, the men, yeah, the groups that you're part of. Like that's one of the things I, I question and wonder. Like in our strategy of how we grow with getting women involved, is you know, what will they say yes to? How do we help them say yes to something right. where it feels comfortable and safe and? They know, you know, because it's you want them to be a part of it. But I think with COVID and just some of the things in our world in general, like we're kind of we've become a little bit reclusive people and isolated, you know, and especially in the last year. So it's like, okay, we need to think about how to how to help people to be able to say yes to this, that it's going to be a value to them, you know, to being a part of the organization itself. Mm -hmm. Well, see, since this is like a meetup group for men, the people who are who are coming into it are probably people who are searching it out. Yes. So they already have some reason uh, for wanting um, to build relationships mm-hmm. with other men. It could be um, some. I think for a lot of people, it's like something in their life's not going well. Maybe their marriage is not going well. Mm-hmm. Something, and they just realize the need for relationships. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the people who who are coming in, they're probably looking for that yes. type of thing. Yeah. Yes, I think that's that's our target audience too. Is yeah, you know, looking for those people, and it is a need. I mean, it really is a need that's out there. That's great yeah. that you sought that out, and yeah, it sounds exciting. Yeah, it's been pr- pretty good. Yeah. Um. Well, um, I thought that I would ask you a little bit about just your relationship with God and what what's that and what that is like um for one reason it's because um you know I I have a relationship with God through the Christian faith and I'm interested in uh deepening that and experiencing more of God so I'm just interested in what other people are experiencing what their relationship with God is like how they um go about it and stuff like that so um I guess um I guess maybe uh, how did you get started um in you know a relationship with God? Right. So I um my family is very faith focused. Um so I would say from my whole life it's been a huge part of just who we are and how things function for our family, you know. Every like my siblings and their kids like we all it's all an important piece of of their lives. I probably was the one that went a little rogue on everyone. <laughs> so, um, my faith never changed in like who I believed God is and was and Jesus and those things never wavered. I would just say my walk was off track some. Um, but I, I don't think I would change it because I think I know God in a more personal way now than I did before. I grew up in, um, a Southern Baptist church. And so the Bible was taught very thoroughly. They had great programs for us as children and, um, and youth group. I mean, I was, I loved it. It was awesome. And I had great friends and, you know, people in that community, uh, that kept me very grounded in a lot of ways. Um, I think the piece for me probably that was challenging is, the struggles in life weren't always, you know, it was kind of like this path of you lead, you live between these two lines, you know, and well, as a human, we sin and we, we struggle. So what do I do when I'm outside these lines of what we're being taught? And that's where I struggle because we didn't really talk about that a lot, I didn't think, as people. Um, and so you just kind of go silent on it and you're not maybe necessarily getting help and support from the people who could be really capable of helping you in a good way because you're afraid to talk to them because of you don't want to be judged or you know you don't know that they're gonna come to you with understanding first 
um, versus, well, this is right and this is wrong. Well, I get it, but this is still hard. You know, like I still don't have things I don't understand. So I think in that part of my life, like I, Jesus was real to me as a young child. You know, I was, he was a person to me, but he, you know, in the way a child can understand that. And I was baptized. And then I think um, after college and like in those middle, you know, 20s, 30s ages, uh, I think I'd, you question more. You know, you kind of have those questions that you're just trying to find answers to. And then when I was in my 40s and really probably at like 45, um, gosh, I think I just learned who God was in a totally different way. Like, as Jesus as a person and a relationship, you know, like in the way that um, he helps me through life. Like I was just basically like, I'm, I'm in a tough spot. Like I couldn't, you hit that, when you hit that bottom, I think, I think some of the hardest, the, we get in the way sometimes of not letting people hit those hard points. And then we kind of steal from them what God can do Hmm. instead of, letting him do it, you know, and that's, that's a delicate act because we are, you know, we are designed to be in community with each other. So it's like support yet God, you know, being there and all of that. So for me, it was, um, I, I like to say he was wooing me, you know, just in that the scripture that comes to mind is his kindness leads us to repentance. And I just found that that was so true in how he approaches us in our brokenness And I'm like, man, we're approaching people all wrong. We're way harder on people than God is on us. He's so loving and kind. And that has stuck with me in my interactions with others. Not that he doesn't have boundaries and not that he doesn't speak truth, but he pulls us in with his love. And his love is what breaks us and convicts us and says, you know, like, this is a struggle you have going on. I see it and I'm going to heal it. You know, we look at it as condemnation and it's bad. And he looks at it as like, you're wounded. We got to patch you up here, you know. So I think that for me probably shifted me completely in a whole different realm of understanding God and who he is. Of understanding how loving he is. Yes. And, and just his person, you and know. How did um, that un- understanding come come about? Like, what happened to make you realize that? So I had a lot of change in my life in 2017 at one time, and I was struggling. In a, you know, like how do I navigate all of this change? You know, and um, so just one, I had a great friend who was supportive through it all and that was huge my mom was very supportive in that and my family was too but those two people were probably the two that kind of were in my presence the most um and my best friend is just she you know you can say some things to your best friend that you just can't say to anybody else and so I think for me it was I could say the hardest things to her you know the deepest things that um that you just are ashamed of, you know, or you struggle with or whatever. So I started, we start, we just, you know, we've been friends for years, but it took us to a whole nother level of vulnerability. And in that, at the same time that was going on, God was working in my heart and I could hear him speaking. Um, and, and it was just like, I mean, I, I don't think I'd cried that much in a long time. So I just was hitting this place of like letting the walls down or letting the emotion out or whatever it was that I was trying to hold together. And so that happened over a little bit of time, but I definitely was probably three or four months, I would say. And I was just feeling like he was present in a different way. Like I did not feel alone in it, like in the sense of, I don't have someone here with me. Like he's, he's showing he's here with me in this darkness. And then uh, a group of us went to go see the shack and I had not read the book. I really didn't know anything about it, but I watched the movie and I cried like through the whole thing because it was such a great representation of God, the father, Jesus, the Holy spirit, and just the roles that each of them play 
and it was so visual and real and it resonated with what I felt like I was how God was embracing me in that loving way that it just kind of like put it all together and I think that was a pivotal moment for me to like be like yes what I'm in this spiritual realm in this faith realm experiencing with God I'm seeing it on this movie screen played out and it all is coming together like how good God is really to us and for us mm-hmm. so that was that's just been kind of how that started in a very little bit of a process and then kind of a you know just like pulling it all together moment that shifted if someone was wanting to seek God more and just draw close to him and know him like how would you advise that person um, like you know what direction would you give the, mm-hmm. the person I think it I think we overcomplicate God in a lot of ways it's like a friendship you know so if you if you think of your friends or the people in your life and the people you're closest to well why are you closer to them than this person who's a friend well you spend more time with them you know you're around them you have different conversations with them um So I think God's no different. If we are spending time with him like we do an acquaintance or somebody we see every so often and it's great, you're like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. It's so nice to see you. You're going to get kind of that kind of relationship or somebody who you don't see in five years, you know, but you know them like it's going to be that kind of relationship. So I think modeling, you know, and that sounds almost like, not even as personal as it can be but for me it helps to have something concrete take it to abstract you know like so when I think of a concrete relationship with somebody I'm very close to I really try to give God that same amount of intention and time and purpose and value in my life you know and that he um he ultimately knows the whole picture so he's gonna guide me and direct me so I think you got to be daily just communicating with him, listening to him. You know, it doesn't mean you always have to be talking or, or, or thinking like, I don't even know how to pray or I don't know how to. I just am, I have learned in this like I'll, some days I'll just there were several days I just was like, I need you, God. I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. Like this is hard, you know, and that was it. That was all I could say, like a hundred times a day, you know, and in that he met me every time, whether it was somebody who called me or somebody texted or, you know, I just had like something in nature show up that was like, oh, that's God, like showing himself to me. So I think you just have to want it first and then you have to pursue it second and pursue it like it's it's the most important priority because everything else will be so good after that if that is first the rest the struggles become manageable when that's the first priority and just make it simple like those two little things you know my mom gave me an index card that said jesus i trust you just say those words jesus i trust you i said i still say that a lot of times you know there's so much uncertainty we live in so i think just treating him like you would the person you love the most in your life whether it's your spouse a friend, a child, whatever, you know, just treat him with that same level of need and importance and value. Is there anything in particular that gives you confidence in all of this, like the Christian faith? Um, Because, like, we don't hear him back. Well, you know, maybe we, you know, we do sometimes as far as, like, um, I can think of when um, I was converted, you Mm -hmm. know, when I was 18, um, it seemed like it was being spiritually communicated to me that I was forgiven and I felt mm-hmm. just as light as a feather. And mm-hmm. um, But most of the time, the conversation seems kind of one way. Like mm-hmm. I address God in prayer, but it's not like normal for me to hear from him um, in that same way that I'm addressing him, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, is there anything in particular that gives you confidence that... Um, God is there and listening and um, he's close to us and mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah, I think he, um, I think first of all, his people were really bad listeners. <laughs> and so um, 
in general, just in life. And so I think what I've really tried, because I think he does speak, he's speaking all the time and we're just not tuned into it or we think it has to be an audible voice and that you're right. He doesn't, that's not the way it happens. And so, um, so I just, for me, what has been really great is I love being outside, and so I think just paying attention to the creation that he um, that he made for us and the beauty in it, you know, whether it's going for a walk and there's a beautiful lake and trees and things like that, or um, I see him speaking in those ways. Like, he gave us that to help us have those things that rejuvenate us. Um, and then for me, I think one of the things that became really real of, like, how God does work in our lives is um, when when my life was kind of taking a, a big turn, I saw, like, this would just be an example. Like, my best friend was uh, someone who, at 22, I student taught in her classroom. <laughs> and at 22, I wasn't thinking about life at 45, you know, but God knew where my life was going, and he planted the right people in my path so that at the times when I was going to need who they are and their gifts, they were the relationship would have had the longevity that was necessary to go into the places that needed to be dealt with. And I remember thinking, man, that's crazy to just think that God cares that much that 23 years ago, he would have set this person in my life in the momentum knowing where it was going to go. So I think you look for those things that where he is present and actively orchestrating and painting the picture and putting things together so I really try to like be aware of those kinds of things to see that's his way of speaking to us and then from the day to day um, I I've I'm learning that you get those little things in your gut sometimes where you somebody comes across or your mind somebody comes across your mind or you just feel something uneasy in your I call it my gut your stomach however you want to describe it like, okay, somebody might be having a hard day, reach out to them. And that those aren't just fleeting thoughts, you know? Like, God's trying to use you. He's trying to speak to you about something. Because when we're serving others, that's what we're ultimately here for. So, And there's so much value in that. And so I try to really just be aware and ask Him, show me who needs something today. You know, where can I... Even if it's someone I don't even know, you know, I see them and I'm like, man, they look like they're not doing well. Just say hello or say how, are, you know, like strike up a conversation. So just really, really trying to get outside myself and pay attention to the people around me, whether they're a huge part of my life, you know, they're in and out of my life or they're somebody I don't even know or something else, you know, but just ask somebody to even pray for. I mean, it doesn't always have to be to reach out, you know. But just listening and then f- responding. And I'm, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to be more intentional about it. And that's how I think he, I think he speaks a lot in those ways. I really do. Okay. Yeah. It reminds me of Psalm 19 where it um, speaks about the heavens declare your glory. And like there's this speech without words that goes throughout the earth and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mate. That's a good way to sum that up. Um, well, is there anything in particular in your life that you've had to like overcome and um, So anyway, the the follow-up question would be, you know, is there anything that you're still working at like oh, something yeah. that you're over having. <laughs> yes. but is there anything like that and you can um that you you feel comfortable talking about sure yeah um i think i would say my mind <laughs> the the thoughts that come in your mind and um and i would say probably more specifically either about myself or Um, or even other people sometimes, you know, situations with other people and like, um, you know, texting can be hard with people. So you can sometimes get into this, like, is there something going on? I can't read into that. 
or an interaction with someone that, you know, I just think, um, I think our mind, if we allow it, dictates what we do a lot of times. So for me, I think where I'm at right now um, is really being aware of two things. One, what's going on in my mind and, and not letting it get too far out before I rein it back in and take control um, and talking to myself in that and saying truth this is the way this is you know this to be true because of because a lot of things in our mind I think we have to separate okay what is really factual and is happening and then what is just how I'm responding to this you know and then when I can separate those two things I can have a pretty healthy response um, and I think not to get too crazy, like theologically, but I think Satan is definitely loves to play that game with us, you know? And so he, he really works hard at trying to confuse us and throw us off course with things. So I'm trying to be really aware and ask God and the Holy Spirit to just help me kind of right away attack that and take control. And then I think as a result of some of that too, like the heart, you know, the heart is kind of a crazy thing and out of the heart the mouth speaks so listening to my words and what I'm saying and what's coming out is coming from where my thoughts have been or something that's in my heart that is um, it needs to be paid attention to and not we judge ourselves so much you know stop judging ourselves and just say this is real it's here explore it let God help you through it and stop, don't push it down because when we push it down, it's going to come back out in some other way. And if I want to be kind and loving to people, I have the responsibility to myself and to them to be aware of my mind and my heart because it's going to impact how I treat them. You know, and if my goal is to be like Jesus with people, you know, and just he left such a great example of what that looks like and, um, and the fruit of the spirit, you know, just, I, I really want to live that out any way I can. And obviously I make mistakes a lot, but in, in, in trying to get my mind and my heart in check, I think I can, I, and not on my own. I think that's where we make the mistake. We think we can do it ourselves. We cannot, we have to have his help. Um, but I think when I ask for his help, he's there. He, he shows up. He helps me. And I'm over the hurdle way faster than if I just stand at that hurdle and be like, do I put one leg over? Do I, like, try to jump with both feet, you know, um, and respond in that way. And that's a, that's a moment by moment sometimes, day to day, hour by hour battle, you know. But I am finding by practicing that it's getting, it gets better and it gets easier, and on those hard days, I have to even be more intentional with myself um, in the way I respond. Go for a walk. Call somebody. Like, sometimes you got to reach out for help. It can't just all be done internally. God put other people there to help us fight those battles. So that I would say those are the, the pieces that I'm kind of in the journey of working through that show up pretty regularly. <laughs> you know, you mentioned loving people. Um, like... How do you go about doing that, um, like especially if it's somebody who's unfair, um, who's not very, you know, uh, doesn't like you so well and so mm -hmm. forth. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're connected to you. They're a part of your life. Um, do you have any thoughts about just, um, mm -hmm. you know, loving them as we're supposed to? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, so for me, I've had this experience where I've had some some situations where I felt mistreated or not treated fairly. And I have a little bit of a justice streak in me, you know? And so, yeah. um, I think a lot of us do. We, we, I think we were built that way too. You know, God built mm -hmm. us that, that things should be fair. Um, and so learning how to respond to that, I would say has been one, acknowledging the hurt, you know, if you feel hurt Two, uh, depending on the person you either, talk with them about it and you try to work through it or if that's not a possibility or you try it and it doesn't go well like then you got to go to plan b mm -hmm. or if it's somebody who you don't even feel like you have the 
it's not necessarily maybe where I feel like I'm even supposed to, you know, like have that level of conversation. Um, I, I, it just goes back to asking God to help me through this, but I think forgiving, you got to forgive because otherwise, and I've had to work through that. So I journal, you know, when some things were really hard, I wrote it down. Like this is, I, I don't think this is fair, you know? Um, or I talk to someone or I pray about it all or all of the above. And, um, and in the end, I really do believe this and I know it can sound like, well, yeah, that's what everybody says you should do. But I really do believe like you have to just trust God that he will take care of it for you. If there's an injustice, he is a God of justice and he will take care of it in the way that it needs to be for that person or that situation, which if I, you know, step back, I'm like, well, don't I kind of want him to deal with me in those ways? You know, when I mistreat someone or I do something wrong, I want them to be that way towards me. And I want God to be that way towards me. Like I do better when it's gentle than when it's harsh, you know, sometimes though I need it harsh because I don't get the point, you know, like you need to be, sometimes I'm missing this, like it's a blind spot. So just be direct, shoot it straight with me. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I need to be better at that. Um, so that's how I would say I have had to learn even more so. And it's harder, the, the bigger the hurt, you know, or the more, the larger the injustice. I think it, it's, you got to work at it. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, are there anything in particular, like books, movies, particular people that have impacted your life and shaped you um, in a kind of a significant way? I would say um, probably the as far as from like somebody that it's not in my day-to-day life you know so if I go outside of the realm of the people closest to me which have had right. the, uh, I would say Joyce Meyer has been probably one of the largest impacts um, she I my gosh before people even knew who she was and look you know fortunately she's a St. Louis person but she was holding weekly meetings um, at like a hotel in a in a room and I started going to them in college and I you know, for people who don't know her story, she's she's been through a lot in life, and she started sharing that when it really wasn't being shared in a in a faith realm. I don't think as much, and so I remember at that time because she was walking through a lot of change and transformation and God working in her life that she was preaching a ton on who we are in Christ, hmm. and I had never really like which is crazy to think how you know much I was in church. I'd never really been taught our value in Christ and our confidence in Christ and that we're made worthy because of Him. Um, and it's not our acts and it's not the things that we do and trying to prove ourselves. It's just because of what Jesus did on the cross for us that makes us worthy. Hmm. And that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And it just, I think, you know... Again, 20-some years later, when life hits like a hard wall, every day I can remember saying to myself, it doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter how people treat me. It doesn't matter what the world says. God says I'm worthy, and my confidence is in Him, and I can be solely at peace with that. And so that, I think, probably has been the most influential from a standpoint of my faith and God and the realness and just being able to handle hard things. Um, so I would say that from that standpoint. And then from just other things like uh, Craig Groeschel is, he's a pastor of, uh, you know, the largest church in America, but he's got this leadership podcast that is all training you how to be a better leader. And that's been extremely, you know, I was in leadership for so many years and I'm wanting to lead in a nonprofit and grow. So I listened to that for tips on how to be the best leader and how do we lead people well and serve them well. Um, So those are things. And then I love silly things like the movie Pitch Perfect, you know, (laughs) and like comedies. I love, I think, not taking life too seriously. So influence, you know, like the other day I was 
in quarantine and um, the rush hour movies were on. And, you know, I don't typically sit and watch a ton of movies, but I just thought I'm going to, these are fun. They make you laugh. And I, I love to have fun and I think it's important to laugh. And it's such, you know, like things have been felt so serious that, um, I find movies like that or shows like that, that you can just like check out and you don't have to think and you just can sit and embrace the humor in it and the fun and the silly. And, um, so I think that's been equally as critical for me to kind of help me to, uh, stay balanced and like, you know, work is good, but don't take it so seriously that you don't have the fun in life. That's equally as important. So So that's like two totally opposite ends of the spectrum to your answer, but uh, but yeah. they're they're just different ways to to handle it for me. Yeah. Well, coming back to friendship, which you know we mentioned that at the very beginning. So, um, so you're single, mm-hmm. and some people um, are married, so they kind of have a built-in best friend you know, right. throughout their life. But you've probably um, maybe need have needed to be more intentional, you know. Um, in building friends and um, like, is that something that just comes naturally for you or are there certain skills that you've developed in order to, um, you know, be rich in friendship, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any thoughts about, um, you know, are there certain things you try to keep in mind to do or um, routines or anything that helps mm-hmm. not neglect something? Cause I guess it's kind of like, something you grow and nurture and so forth, you know? Absolutely. I think that you, um, one, don't take those people for granted, you know, and, um, and see the value and importance in it. And I think in society, we're really bad at, um, seeing the needs of other people, you know, and I, I will go as far as to even say, um, I think single moms can relate to single people because they're doing life, you know, with kids kind of on their own in some ways. And then I think you have married couples who could be in a variety of stages in their marriage or where that's at. So they might feel lonely or isolated in some of that. But there's, there's, uh, so I think we like, we categorize people, you know, instead of just saying we're all human beings who need people and we all struggle. And so what I, um, so what I think is uh, the challenge in, as a single person is you cannot look at people who are married and just assume you cannot be in friendships with them. Um, and you find the people that are open to a variety. You know, they don't just have to be friends with other couples. They embrace a variety of friendships. And then you pursue those, you know, and if somebody's like, I'm all about family and you're exclusive to that, then you just find a different direction, you know? Um, and I do think that happens. I think that families can become very exclusive, you know, and not really be aware of the needs of people sitting like four people down in a pew at church from them, you know, and we've got to do better with that. And which is part of the heart of this nonprofit is that we stop labeling people in a lot of ways and we just see people as God's creation um, and we love them. And so um, so I think for me, the things that I do intentionally is I don't create in my mind who that person has to be. They have to be single. They have to be married. They have to be a single mom. They have to be, you know, employed, unemployed, available, not available, you know. So you just... Um, I just say this is important to me. It's a value. Um, it fulfills me. I love, I love as much as I love people being in my life. I love doing for people in my life, you know, it's reciprocal. And so the things that I would say I do probably regularly is I just try to stay in touch, you know, and I, um, and not superficially, you know, like in a real way, like daily or every other day or weekly, depending on you know, the level of relationship and then inviting, you know, just ask people like, do you want to go to dinner? Do you want to hang out? Or what do you got this weekend? Or, um, those kinds of things. And then, um, when other people invite you in, you say, yes, you respond to them in that. So they know that they're important to you as well. 
Um, I always say I can be the third wheel. I never mind that. Like I, I have a lot of friends who are married and I love talking to their husbands as much as I do them, you know? So I just think it's how we have for me. And I think this would go for all of us. It is a challenge because, you know, you have to be, you do have to be more intentional. You don't have those natural things of someone being in your home all the time. And just, you know, you can have conversation when you want. That's not the luxury of the life you live. So those are the ways I would say I um, pursue it. And then I have friends who aren't married and are single as well. And so they're a great network um, as well. You know, it's just like there's those variety of circles and just making sure I'm present, like you said earlier, and intentional and like pick up the phone, you know, and don't just wait for them to, you know, they, if they're working, they're busy. If they're married, they're busy, you know, like if they have these things, but it doesn't mean if I pick that it, because they're not calling me, that it doesn't mean they don't want to hang out. So sometimes I'm like, I just have to say like, do you want to hang out? Most of the times they say yes, you know? And then also I think it, and this is the harder part saying like, I need you to reach out to me. I need you to say to me like, if you're doing something, I want to go. Like, don't ever hesitate, you know, because I've had friends say to me, it's hard, who are married, it's hard for me to reach out and ask people to do things. So, you know, everybody's got their own thing going on with that. But I think that is has been the most helpful piece is just taking the initiative and really staying intentional with it. So, like seems like one of the main things is just staying in touch mm-hmm. with people, picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it sounds like for some people that's pretty often, almost daily or every mm-hmm. other day or something yes. like that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, is there anything else you want to bring up before... Um, and I'll give you a chance to kind of give your web address and stuff like that. But is there anything, other, any other topics we should talk about first? Oh, gosh. You know, this has been great. Um, it's, it's, I love your questions because it does, it has made me just really think through and affirm that I have thought about some of these things mm-hmm. um, and really tried to, um, you know, find the place to land on it where it's important and kind of do away with the things that don't matter. I would say just probably for people listening and for ourselves, um, I think the, I think the, the place that at least where I'm at now, and, and I love having the multi-general generational relationships in my life. Cause you glean so much from those things mm-hmm. is to, um, just kind of go with the flow on the journey of life, you know, and what, what comes at you and not to think too far ahead. You know, I started to do a project where I was doing a 10 year plan and I'm like, this is stressing me out. Like that's way too far to think sometimes. I mean, I have visions and things, but like, so I, it's just like, I love how worry about today because tomorrow has enough worries for itself, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. gosh, there's so much peace in that, you know? Um, so I just appreciate you like asking some really great questions and helping me like articulate that better and think through it more and, and really like be confident in the things that I have learned or what I have seen and experienced and, and being okay saying that and sharing that and hoping that that helps somebody else. It's, I've had to put in a little bit of time on doing that and doing the work. Um, I think what I would say to people is it's worth the time. Because when you're healthier, you're healthier for everybody around you. And I was at an unhealthy state. You know, I was in an unhealthy place. And now to be kind of coming out finally on the other side of that is, you're like, gosh, this is where life gets really good, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I would probably just kind of end it with saying, do the work and don't beat yourself up and find the people that are going to help you go where you're wanting to go. Cause that makes all the difference in the world. Well, how can people know more about you if they want to be in touch or know your organization? And right. So, forth? so we are um, a work in progress. So we are getting close to being ready to launch. Um, so I would say our website will be up in, I'm going to guess maybe April ish is our goal. 
um, end of April. And we have a little bit of a different way of spelling ripple effect. So it is ripple like R-A-P-P-L-E, but effect is with an A for affect, A-F-F-E-C-T. So rippleeffectstl.com. And we're on the website. Um, that'll be up in a couple months. Um, they can they can look at that and find us. Uh, we have a Facebook page that is Ripple Effect STL too. That is in being reconfigured as well. But people can go there and click like on that, and we're going to start updating things on there on Facebook and getting our social media um, put together. So that that will be coming very soon. Okay. So that's where they go for right now if they want to um, stay in touch or yes. learn more. See get what involved. we're doing. Yes. I would say Facebook is a better place to start because that page is already created. Okay. And then when things start, um, when we get our calendar set and we start really getting ready to launch, they'll be able to see everything on there with with okay. Facebook. And then we'll have links to all our other, um, our website and our other social media pages. Okay. All so, right. Yes. Well, thanks, Susan. Thank you, I've Will. I really enjoyed this. this. great. Mm-hmm.